0: Quinn Lundquist.
1: Hi, I'm Lindsay Grove.
0: Welcome to Viral, the show where two public health nerds talk about the history of plagues, disease outbreaks, and the people who work behind the scenes to keep us safe and healthy.
1: So, Quinn, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, you sent me a really interesting and also upsetting article about uh, Kentucky lawmakers limiting black lung claims reviews.
0: I do, and it was upsetting. So where are you going with this?
1: Well, it got me thinking about the intersection of the labor, mo- the labor movement and public health. How protecting workers and improving working conditions is not just basic human decency, but also a function of public health. We also take for granted that things haven't always been this way. It wasn't until the 20th century that we had 40-hour work weeks, health insurance benefits, child labor laws... <laughs> But those and kids
0: have such nice tiny fingers they, for the machines. You're,
1: you're right. I know. Uh, and protections for, you know, against work-related risk like black lung.
0: I do like weekends. And it's nice not dying in shirtwaist factory fires.
1: Yes. That is super nice. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of things first. So first, the jungle, uh, which I'm sure many public health uh, nerds are familiar with. Many of you will remember this less than appetizing story written by Upton Sinclair showcasing the horrors of working in the meat industry during the industrial period. His intention was to show Americans the awful conditions workers, many of whom were immigrants, had to endure. Unfortunately, this really did not pan out for him. Americans were more distraught over how the literal sausage was made.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. The unsanitary conditions, like we're talking about instances of rats and even people falling into the vats of meat, like not being fished out for days, and then nothing being left on their skeletal corpses. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, So this caused an uproar that led to legislation, uh, including the Meat Inspection Act and the Pure Food and Drug Act. Upton wanted to change the plight of the poor, exploited workers, to advance socialism, and instead, as he puts it, I aimed at the public's heart and by accident hit it in the stomach. Yep. Yeah. So, ugh. Uh, not that both of those things aren't important, but uh, the labor conditions are also pre- were pretty bad and pretty important to oh, yeah. Uh, so the story of the labor movement doesn't end there, however. it as, There's actually historical evidence of unions during medieval times in Europe in the form of trade guilds. In America, we've been organizing workers since the Pilgrims landed in Jamestown. In 1619, Polish craftsmen decided to strike to gain the right to vote. Since the passage of the National Labor Relations Act, the number of unions has increased across the United States, bringing improved workplace conditions, living wages, and worker protections. In fact, worker health is one of the first fights unions focused on when they started gaining ground. One study investigated the relationship between worker unionization and health and shows a positive association between union membership and high self-rated health scores. So we know that there's a significant link between health and income. Unions helped establish a minimum wage as well as cost of living improvements and negotiated wage for skilled and unskilled workers. So that's all great, right? Uh, but how does this relate back to the coal miners of Kentucky and Black Long?
0: Um, let me guess. Unions?
1: Oh, my God. So smart and Thank so astute. You.
0: I went to school.
1: You, you sure did.
0: I'm we, a good listener.
1: We can tell. We can tell. Hmm? <laughs> So, yes, in 1969, the United Mine Workers lobbied the U.S. Congress to pass the Federal Coal Mine Health and Safety Act.
0: Were they all, um, were their names like Sleepy?
1: <laughs> no. Daffy. You know what, maybe. Daffy. I don't know. I shouldn't make assumptions. Daffy? I'm pretty sure that that was not one of the seven. No. No? No. No. Nope, you're you're getting your cartoons mixed up.
0: Oh, that happens sometimes. I'm so sorry. There's so many. Daffy, Laffy, Huey, <laughs> Louie. Wait, wait.
1: Wow. Now we're getting into some ducktails here. Oh man, ducktails. Uh, so this legislation set up a compensation fund for those affected by black lung disease. Black lung is endemic to coal miners because it is caused by long exposure to coal dust. So, like, a normal person can't just get black lung. I mean, there have been some instances of, like, a minor form of it in in people who have been in really highly polluted uh, areas, where the air is really polluted. First of
0: all, haha, minor. But (laughs) second... Oh,
1: God. I didn't even mean to do that.
0: (laughs) That's pretty bad. If you're, like, just living next to a mine and not going inside it and still getting black lung... Yeah. Oof.
1: And black lung, I mean, it's just as it's just as terrible as it sounds. So really, this is the true definition of an occupational hazard. Uh, like I said, it's just as bad as it sounds. Uh, it's an insidious disease. It causes inflammation and fibrosis, which will literally turn your lungs black, both from the coal dust and from creating large areas of necrotic tissue, which is disgusting and awful, and I can't even imagine what that's like. Uh, so since this law was enacted, the incidence of black lung has actually decreased by 90%. Yay. I'd say, you know, pretty pretty good correlation, right? Uh, however, in recent years, the numbers are starting to creep back up.
0: Boo. Yeah,
1: not, not great. Uh, and some of that is because there's been some relaxing of... Uh, uh, worker protections and regulations, and then they're also finding that oh, even surface miners uh, are are come are basically uh, susceptible. So, uh, so Kentucky. Here's the scoop on that. According to an NPR article, lawmakers have banned certified radiologists from using X-rays to diagnose black lung without consulting medical professionals.
0: Oh no. <laughs>
1: So why is this bad? I mean, apart from the obvious. Uh, Well, the only certified medical professionals that can now diagnose black lung are pulmonologists. And there's only six in the entire state of Kentucky that are actually certified to diagnose black lung.
0: I think there's there's more craft breweries in downtown St. Petersburg.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's actually true.
0: Than there are pulmonologists who could diagnose black lung in the main state that a lot of these cases probably originate from. Maybe West Virginia, maybe Pennsylvania, but I would say Kentucky probably is like a big one.
1: Yeah. So like not great. Nope. Uh, Even NIOSH, which is the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, wasn't consulted by lawmakers on this legislation.
0: Oh boy. Uh,
1: Which is made a lot of different groups and experts were real mad. Uh, and guess who this lawmaker did consult?
0: I don't even want to know. But tell it, me anyways. All right.
1: All right. You definitely, it's just going to make you upset. Uh, industry, coal companies, and attorneys. Oh. So the lawmaker who sponsored the bill, Representative Adam koning stated that he wasn't even aware of NIOSH.
0: Well, we all know that industry uh, experts, coal companies, and attorneys for coal companies are always the best advocates for um, workers' rights.
1: Sure. I mean, I mean that's why like, do we have unions anyway?
0: <laughs> that's like the stuff of a, a 90s villain. Sure. Where you see them twirling <laughs> their mustache off in the corner. While, like, a bunch of kids are trying to establish regulations for... You've seen that movie?
1: I'm sure I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have
0: gotten, gotten way with it, too.
1: Yeah, if it hadn't been for those pesky... Those
0: pesky public health workers.
1: Yeah, we're like the Scooby-Doo and gang, the mystery machine gang of uh, of health. <sighs> Certainly epidemiologists are. Oh, boy. Anyway, so yeah. so, why does this matter?
0: I mean, we just going back to our first episode that we did when we talked to um, uh, Dr. Alfredo Morabia about how he got started in public health, and he started in occupational health. And occupational health was like there at the very beginning for a lot of people's careers because we spend probably half of our lives at work. And
1: Or more, I yeah.
0: Mean, I mean, that's that's kind of it. And it's important that people who make money off of the labor of others. And yes, we get we get workers get paid, but a lot of times it's not in the interest of the companies to make sure certain protections are in place, right? In in you know their perspectives. So we need things like unions. We need things like regulations in order to kind of keep everyone honest.
1: Right. I mean, it's not to say that all corporations are out there to exploit workers. No. But there's There's a history of that happening. So,
0: fortunately, we can't, like, assume that they will be (sighs) altruistic.
1: Right. Because they're beholden to their shareholders and not necessarily the the rights of their workers. So, you know, I, having grown up in a state that's very pro-union and from a family that is, uh, you know, that has union members and union leadership, you know, I've seen, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy advocating for not only your own uh, rights as a worker, but for others, um, there's a
0: lot of risk.
1: There's so much, and that's the thing, strength in numbers. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a power imbalance when as a worker, um, whoever's writing your paycheck kind of has power over you. And it's a way of, uh, boosting the rights of the individual worker to have, like you said, strength in numbers and give them a voice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's um, that's important.
1: It absolutely is. Yeah, I.
0: Uh, well, I'll be following that story about Kentucky because that's I'm, interesting.
1: Yeah, it, it it's really anchored a lot of people, and unfortunately, it's not unique to the story of la- of the labor movement. Like we said, there's a history, but even in the past couple of years, a lot of um, unions have been weakened by right to work laws and. Um, just there's just just this big movement um, to support union busting. So
0: what well, we've seen in recent weeks with West Virginia, Nebraska, some mm-hmm. other yes, states teachers. To, with teachers, and even though it's not necessarily um, illness or injury that that they're experiencing, low chronic low pay can lead to a lot of problems for mm-hmm. people, and you have teachers who. Haven't been given a raise in years when they've been promised one, and um, have had to take second or third jobs, and it's stressful. But at the same time, we put so much pressure on our teachers to train our youngest minds to to be the future of this country. So why
1: mm-hmm.
0: why aren't they rewarded
1: exactly to align
0: with the, what our so-called values are in that being a teacher should be a proud profession respected and profession. it's the pay that they get is shameful it is shameful. so
1: it is shameful and you know we're unique in that in this country employment is tied to health insurance and so if you want to talk about direct costs to health care i mean being able to negotiate your access to that ki- to the kind of healthcare that's going to not only keep you healthy but keep you working. Right. I mean. Yeah. That to me is it's so obvious, and there's such small things that even employers can do to boost morale and make the workplace better that increases productivity and reduces sick days. I mean, the worksite wellness movement is has become really you know popular in the last couple of years because. Employers are seeing, hey, if we do just some very simple things for our employees, our claims decrease, and that's right. good for business yeah. and good for the for everyone. So, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, no problem. That nice little, well, not nice, but it that was- story. <laughs> um, why don't we do something we haven't done in a while, and that is share what we are reading or enjoying lately? Sure. Um I'll go first. I am reading a biography of the architect named um Anthony Gaudi mm-hmm. and he um is a very famous, very unconventional architect who um famously designed a lot of buildings in Barcelona and um inspired a lot of the surrealists like um Dali. So I I, I love his work but more Importantly, I'm going on a trip to Barcelona soon, Ooh. so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm also yeah, I'm also reading well, I'm actually not, not reading it air quotes, but I'm listening to an audiobook version of The Hobbit and by J.R.R. Tolkien, obvi- Tolkien, obviously. Um, and it's narrated by Rob Inglis, and he is fantastic. He is amazing. I am a big Tolkien nerd, but I have never listened to this particular recording of it, and it is so good.
1: Hmm, That's awesome. Yeah. I am reading the concise history of Florida, uh, because I am not native to this state. uh, Or I obviously was not born here. I was born in good old Michigan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kind of wanted to get just a... A really brief history of this really crazy, weird state. And it is crazy and weird, so... Oh, yeah. uh, Lots of... (laughs) Lots of weird battles. We fought Canadians over uh, shipping and docking jobs at one point. I mean... Unfortunately, uh, American Floridians had this idea that, hey, so... We no longer, slavery is not allowed anymore, but we still need, like, cheap labor. So let's try and bring immigrants over and exploit them. All right. That really links back to the labor movement. Uh-huh. Um, So the Canadians came down and, and you know, they were, like, taking a lot of shipping and docking jobs because they were qualified to do so. And Americans got really upset about that because they were like, no, 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 no. You, you don't take our jobs. You take the lower like, really crappy jobs. And then they had a... They actually bat... Like, they shot and killed people over that. Oh, my God. So... All right. Yeah, this is a crazy state.
0: That is a crazy state. Yeah. Uh, we are, This is a crazy state. Um, and that reminds me... There was a book by Jack Davis that came out last year um, called The Gulf. The Making of an American oh, yeah. Sea. About, like, the Gulf of Mexico, the history, um, and... It won the Pulitzer Prize for history.
1: He's a local here, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that sometime.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm really enjoying, uh, I just binge-watched Jessica Jones Season 2, and it was amazing. I mean, it, it was not happy. Better than Season
0: 1? Or on par? On par. Yeah, yeah. I okay. would say on
1: par. It deals so much more with Jessica and her trauma and her past and so oh, it's very good. Okay. It's very good. Yeah. And I'm really I'm really looking forward to Infinity War. Yes. I'm like so excited. I am too. I actually watched uh Thor: The Dark World the other day cuz I hadn't watched it.
0: That's yeah, I thought it was good.
1: It was it was all right, but I wanted to know more about the red infinity stone, the reality stone, the ether. Cuz I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> We still don't know a lot about the Soul Stone.
0: No? Okay. No,
1: people thought that that was going to come out in uh, Black Panther, like that it was hidden in Wakanda, but wasn't touched on in the movie, so.
0: More on that next time. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is turning into like a Marvel podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. Well, uh, what else is going on in your life? I, th- I hear something big happened like uh, a few weeks ago.
1: Aww. I successfully defended my doctoral project and I will now be graduating with a doctorate in public health. Woo! <laughs> so, yes, I am no longer tethered to the ridiculous schedule and work of school.
0: Well, not just school, but school and working.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And doing all of the other 10,000 things that you do.
1: Yes. Co-hosting a podcast.
0: Well, that gives you more time to take on more responsibilities.
1: I'm really trying to work on that, and it's not going not well. Doing,
0: not doing a good job. Not doing a
1: good, good job. Nope. That's okay. Yeah.
0: No, you gotta get okay. out and hustle.
1: Yeah, I I'm hustling. You definitely. are. Congratulations.
0: Uh, thank you. I'm I very proud of that. you.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm looking forward to when you decide to go back and get your PhD.
0: Yeah, you make it sound really. Really fun.
1: All of all of my complaining that I've done over the last three years.
0: <laughs> yes. No, you
1: should definitely do it.
0: Oh, it's then, terrible gosh, to do I hate it. Hate this.
1: Lindsay, why did you convince me to do this? Why
0: did you do this to me?
1: Every doctoral, like everybody that graduates a doctorate, does that. They complain, and then they're like, "No, you should do it." And it's just like, but did... T-
0: they just want other people to suffer. Sure. The way they did.
1: We're all sadists. Absolutely. Uh, so that's it for today's episode. Uh, check out our website at wwwviral for more information, sign up for email alerts, and to get in contact with us. Also, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever people review podcasts. We'd really, really love to hear from you. And if you have a suggestion for a future topic, let us know using the email form on our website.
0: Uh, finally, our... Intro and outro music is uh, Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. I'm Quinn Lundquist.
1: I'm Lindsay Grove.
0: We'll be back soon with another episode to talk about Superbugs.
1: So, as always, please remember to wash your hands.